We're going to start here in um, verse number four and just read a couple verses. Starting in verse four, there is one body. There's only one church. To the unsuspecting people of our country, there is only one church. The Bible declares that to be true. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now this is not just some random scattershot of doctrinal one-liners. This has got actual cohesion, revelatory cohesion here. Verse number seven, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, which means that grace has a measurement and it is according to the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts. Everybody said gifts. He gave gifts unto men. And I want to talk to us for just a few moments, just a few moments. God is a giver. Let's put our Bibles down and one more time. I know we've already magnified his name, but in this particular context, the Word of God is here, and the Spirit of God is here, and you and I are here together. Let's lift our hands and open our hearts, and let's pray together, shall we? Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we want to give you great praise and divine recognition. I pray that the Word of God would give illumination, cut through, all of the cacophony of voices that walked into this building today from a world that is in mass confusion. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. We won't fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God is a giver. I like that so much I may say that again. You know, one more time with feeling. God is a giver. That is incredible. 
the God of the universe, the creator of all therein, is by choice. He is a giver. The reason why, from a religious standpoint, that that is so preeminently important is because Christianity is the only world religion where its deity is a giver. You don't have to shave your head and get into a monastery. You don't have to make some self-flagellating obeisance. I could go on and on here this morning. Even ancient deities in the Word of God declare how preeminent that reality is because in the Old Testament, with examples that are untold, they're so replete in Scripture of Molech and Baal, the gods of the Philistines, Dagon, that required human sacrifice before there could be any type of divine interaction. Well, Christianity already had its human sacrifice. And he hung on a tree. In fact, I wouldn't be standing on this platform today without the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so, apostolic Christianity is unique in the sense that we proclaim, manifest, and demonstrate that God is a giver, not a taker. You see, that's what there is in our world today. There's givers and there's takers. And so this language, we're, we're, this is apropos. We understand, you know, the government's after me and its prices are going up, inflation, taxes, everybody's after my money. But God is a giver. I wonder if there's any witnesses in the house. I said God is a giver. And he's not stingy. He's not small-minded. I said God is a giver. I think we ought to take a moment right now and give back to him all... Maybe you could just put one little hand up. Maybe you could just put your hands together. The giver of life and the giver of strength and the giver of health and the giver of salvation. Oh, somebody give him praise. God is a gracious giver. In fact, the Bible says every good gift, I like gifts, 
I let my wife take those two big boxes so that I could take the important box. And ladies and gentlemen, church, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this, but my waistline is suffering from your giftedness. But don't stop. We all like gifts, and this is the time of season in which gift giving is an expression of the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. If it's not, it ought to be. My two children are here, and my grandchildren are in this service today, and every single Christmas it's at our house. Before we exchange gifts, I grab the Bible because I want to set the record straight. This ain't from Mattel and Apple and, and, and everybody else. We're talking about, come on, somebody. I need somebody that's been our partaker. Of we ought not have to be reminded. We ought not have to be coaxed. Every good gift, precious, is from above. From the Father of lights. And God is here to give today. See, one of the unique aspects of being apostolic, and, I, and being apostolic just means that we're original. That's basically what it means. It means that we are original. The apostles were, were the instrumentation that crafted the New Testament empowered by the Spirit of God and divine revelation. And as an apostolic church, we fundamentally follow the apostles' doctrine. But one of the interesting, and I think it's a powerful thing, um, in being in an apostolic church is that you, if you're truly apostolic, you already have the understanding that God is a giver. And now God has enabled me to give back. See, it's not just a one-sided thing. God stood alone in the universe before the creation of angels and seraphims and teraphims and cherubims. There was a lonely God. And this is why the angels desire to look into what's going on in this room today. Because the angels have always seen God in his resplendence in his magnificence. But you and I have never seen him in his fullness. And so the angels look in on the human race and they marvel because the angels say, well, I saw what that one was doing last week and I saw what that one was doing last year and I saw where that one was five years ago, and I, I saw the jail cell that this one was in. But when they gathered together, we didn't come to take. We came to give back. And see, that's what's stunning to the supernatural is because there's angels that saying, I know what that one was doing, and I, I, I've been rehearsing what that one's been doing, and I've been reminding that one's been doing. But when we look to what God gave... It's easy to give him praise if you understand that he shed his blood. It's easy to lift your voice if you know that he brought you out of darkness. It's easy to magnify his name if you 
Because he gave, now I can, somebody shout. Somebody lift your hands. Somebody give him praise. Amazing stuff. The beginning of the New Testament sets this precedent, and it follows the hermeneutical rule, hermeneutics being the science of interpretation. One of the chief hermeneutical rules is the law of first reference. And in the law of first reference, God sets the worlds in motion. By being a giver. John 3.16, we're all familiar with that. Let's look at that, shall we? For God so loved the world. God wasn't angry. God wasn't mad. God wasn't looking to consign people to eternity. God wasn't looking to smash you with a mallet. God wasn't looking to sick the devil on you. For God so loved you and I that he, oh, clap your hands and give him praise. God's a giver. Oh, yes, he is. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God said, we've got a New Testament where we're talking about reaching the world, and we are not going to talk about it, condemnation. We are not going to talk about judging people. We are talking about me giving things. You see, people have the wrong theological view of God. You are here today, and God is not here to smash you. God is not here to punish you. God is here to give you whatever you need so you can get out of your prison. You can get out of your box. You can get out of yourself. You can save yourself. You can get out. Because God's a giver. God is a lover. First John chapter 4 says God is love. Not like human love, not erotic love, but agape love, which is a principled love. It is the love of choice. God has chosen to love us. And I just know there's somebody in an audience this size that's saying, if God loved me, how come I'm going through when I'm going through? Did it ever dawn on you that maybe you pushed a few buttons in that sequence? See, it's amazing how many people's situation is self-inflicted, but then they want to blame it on God. But even if that's your case today, I can prove to you that if you will be a receiver of what God wants to give you, it will change the complexities of where you are today. But the problem is we already know that, and we're still bent on doing things our way. But I'm telling you, if you can get in alignment with allowing God to be a giver, you will be, oh my goodness, you will become blessed. I'm not just talking about more like, like mud against the fence. I'm talking about abundance. You will be the head and not the tail. You will be above and not beneath. You will be on top and not the bottom. You will be the boss and not the laborer. Oh, somebody here today, clap your hands and give him praise. God is a giver. 
God is a giver. So John 3.16 gives the theological panoramic overview of the entirety of the New Testament. And then in Matthew chapter number 2, a famous passage of Scripture. Let's go to Matthew 2 and verse number 1. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Verse number 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts. Wise men still seek him. Wise people still seek him. Wise men still seek him. And so God so loved that he gave. And wise men, when they found him, they gave. Thus begins the cycle of reciprocity. It becomes cyclical, like the evaporative cycle of the book of Genesis. It starts in heaven and is reverberated from earth. When we talk about gifts today, looking across this vast audience, when we talk about gifts, most people are talk, think that we're talking about things, a thing. Great industry has been made over things. I want to tell you the greatest things in life are not things. But that's where our culture is. Our culture thinks that if it's a gift, it's got to be a thing. I present to you a God that when God gives you a gift, it's not going to be a thing. It's going to be a person. I like gifts. But the Bible warns us. Even God said, Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of. When people go into prayer... And all they're doing is praying for things. Well, God, I need a car. And God is already thinking, yeah. The last one, you didn't put oil in it. What happened? What changed? God is looking and says, yeah, and you lost the job that made money to put gas in the car. See, God has a world of abundance for us. But God wants us on board. My wife and I talked when our kids were very, very young. We talked about the day that we would help them buy their first vehicle. Man, it's getting quiet. Are the young people still here? Hello. Come on, young people. Don't let me be the Lone Ranger up here. I'm trying to get you your first car. 
And so my wife and I talked about this for years in advance, but you, you got to get out of your diapers, and you, you got to learn to clean your room, and you, you, you got to learn to read your Bible. Would somebody out there help me? And then you, 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 you got to obey mom and dad, and you got to do your chores, and you got to do what's right. And when the day comes, we're going to help you get your car. But what I'm trying to say is, it's God's got gifts for everybody in this building, but you got to get on board with God. And say, I will grow, I will mature, I will become wise. I... Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. The reason why you're in suspended animation is you quit growing a long time ago. God looks at the overview of our lives and he looks at the trajectory of our lives. And he has good things because he's a giver. But see, if you're not willing to play by the word of God and play by spiritual practicum and principles, then you never become a recipient of that, and then it changes your view of what this is all about. And that's why... There's some people that, that just come to be takers. Now, don't get upset with me. You're looking at an ex-taker. And, and I, was, I was good at being a consumer, but I was not good at being a producer. And so uh, for 30 years of my life, I was a taker. I, didn't have any, I did not have any understanding or comprehension of what it meant to really be a, a profitable uh, component in, in any culture, but after I was radically saved, and after I obeyed the gospel, and after I became a recipient, I was now equipped to give back, and it's been a growing lesson for the last 37 years, but I am here as a testimony in this great audience this morning to let you know that God is a giver. God is a blessor. God, if you don't think he is, that doesn't make it right. I'm here as a testimony to tell you that he is a blesser. He is a giver. In fact, you're not going to outgive God. After, after, after you become a recipient of, of what God wants to give you, then there's a little contest between you and God. It's a friendly contest. It's a loving contest that you can't outgive God. I remember sitting in the church I got saved in, right, right about where Brother Mike Whitmar is this morning, and I remember voices that were speaking into my brain, the same voices that got me on drugs, the same voices that got me hepatitis B, the same voices that created an alcoholic with three uh, drunk driving convictions, two of them were head-on collisions, the same voices. And the voices were saying, you're going to have to give up this. You're going to have to give up that. You're going to have to give up that. You're going to have to give up that. 
I went ahead and obeyed the gospel anyway. I didn't feel like I gave everything. I think I, I feel like I earned it all. I, I feel like I earned it, and God has just been dumping it out. God, you're the evidence that God gives. You sitting here today is the evidence that God just keeps giving, and God just keeps blessing, and God just Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Mark chapter number 10, verses 29 and 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man which has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake. Look at, look at what you may have to give up in the course of obeying eternity and the God of eternity. House, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospel. And the devil is just hoping week after week that people are unwilling to give that up and unwilling to give that up and unwilling to give that up. Let's go to the next verse. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time. Honey, when I came here, I was in a 600 square foot duplex that didn't have air conditioning. I now live in a house that has two air conditioners and three central heating systems. Am I bragging? No. I'm trying to encourage you. That ain't nothing. God says, you gave that up for me. I'm going to open it up and pour it out on you a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come eternal life. God is a giver. God is a blesser. Oh, let's clap our hands and give him praise. When I got saved, my family said, you're in a cult. Well, first you were complaining about my cocaine addiction. And now you're complaining that I cut my hair and carrying a Bible around. Thoroughly a bunch of confused people. You're in a cult that's trying to teach you cultic ways. I quit the drinking. And I got a job. What are you guys looking at to be in a sign of success? They were happier with me when I was on the drugs. They were happier with me when I was an alcoholic. They were happier than me when I was a bum and I wasn't going anywhere in life. But honey, after I received what he was given, I said, now I'm going to give it back. And God opened up the heavens and God began to pour it out because God is a giver. Somebody go ahead and lift your voice. Somebody go ahead and praise him. Somebody go ahead and glorify, magnify. You may be seated. The greatest things in life are not things. They are relationships. 
It's difficult to see that until you're, you get a higher view of things. Our text says, in Ephesians chapter 4, that he gave gifts unto men, verse number 8. He then begins to enumerate what these gifts are. Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. You cannot appreciate God's giftedness until you first have been a recipient of God's gifts. Remember he talked about the gift of grace according, or the measure of grace according to the gift of Christ. See, God's gifts have a specific purpose. Let's go to verse number 11. Verse number 12. For the perfecting of the saints. Now, this this is going to go against the grain of modern denominational thought. And there's a lot, of, a lot of reasoning that I could get into why that is. But there's a lot of people that just don't think that they need anybody telling them what to do. See, when you become a recipient of God's gift, there is, there is a limit to how much one person can do with that giftedness. But if you'll hook up with what God calls a gift that was intended to work in conjunction with that gift, now you can become for the perfecting of the saints, for the work, in one translation it said, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of their ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It is the five-fold ministry that is a gift to your life, that is ministering and working with the gift in your life to help you become everything that God has for you to become. God, You may not become a CEO. You might end up being a missionary to Botswana. You may not be the owner of a big company, you may end up being a facilitator of the greatest revival this world has ever known. But you have to... See, in America, in our modern culture, we reserve the right to do what we want to do with the giftedness that God gave to us. And if I don't want to cooperate with that, I don't have to become that. I don't want to do that. And if it's too much pressure, in today's society, you could just shop churches. You can now find a church that believes, at least on the surface, exactly like you believe. Not, not realizing that the ministry is part of the gift that was given to your life to bring you to the place where you could be that pastor's wife, where you could be that evangelist, where you could be that missionary, where you could be used of God to be a financial blessing and have seven zeros in your bank account. Come on, somebody. Give. 
See, when you take it back and say, this is what I want to do, then God takes a step back. But I am here in this place today to tell you that the sky is the limit. God just keeps blessing. God will, if you get in alignment with the gift, it just goes up, 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 up. Somebody shout, up, up, up. Somebody clap. As a pastor, I don't want to say it's frustrating, but that's probably the most accurate word. You know, pastor's not supposed to get frustrated. But you can see people. You can see the potential. You can smell it. Sometimes God will allow you to see the potential in people's lives. That's not to control them. That's to direct the ministry so that God can continue to mold and shape and fashion. Why is God doing that? To, to give you more. To give you more. To give Oh, man. See, in America, we just want to punch our time clock. We just want to go home and have our little entertainment, and we'll just come back to hear about heaven. That is not how a Pentecost started. That is not how the apostolic movement started. But I believe that we are coming back to the original principles, that there are people that are coming in among us that are saying, I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to go where God wants me to go. I want somebody help me right now. I want to say what God wants me to say. Totally outside the boundaries of modern denominational thought. And I realized the challenge of all this. But God's a giver. And God gave gifts unto men and women. But that giftedness has a particular purpose and a particular direction. And when you get there, when you get to the place where God, where there's actually some development, there's, there's been some transition, there's been a development in your life, you're going you're gonna to understand exactly what this pastor's saying because that's how you get more. See, the Holy Ghost that we received was never supposed to be just one level, just one, just one dose, just one, one time in the altar, just, just one time speaking in tongues in the altar. No, 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 no. That's supposed to start the whole process that now that I have been a partaker of the gift, I'm now going to let the gift work in me. And if I let the gift work in me, God will say, give him more. And that's what produces fruit. And give him more. And that's what produces the gifts of the Spirit. And give him more. And that's what produces authority. And give him more. Oh, come on. On somebody. This was never supposed to be one dimension, one level. One. Somebody help me this morning. Clap your hands. God is a giver. God is a blesser. God is a giver. As of right now, we have a daughter church up in North Spokane. We have a daughter church on South Hill. 
We're going to be starting others. There will be men and women that come out of this congregation that will be evangelists. There'll be some that become teachers, missionaries, and just great solid saints. How does all that come to pass? Go to seminary? Go get a degree? No. It's far more organic than that. It is an act of the will that as I let Jesus that's in me, the hope of glory begin to work in me. He creates rooms and pockets and depths that are meant to facilitate more of God and more revelation and more anointing and more understanding. How can unlearned fishermen turn your world upside down? God is a giver. God is a giver. And God has something for you today. God has something for everybody here today if we get on the right wavelength. All you need is faith. All you need is faith. God is doing such wonderful things in the 21st century with people that have absolutely no background in this whatsoever. That's not the criteria for this. God is a giver. Just radiating this room. I just feel like it's just raining down here. It's just, it's just the availability of this. It's just the fullness of this is just within your grasp. It's within, it's within your faith. Why don't we lift our hands right now? Close your eyes. Lift your hands. God has something for you today. He's a giver. He is not a disciplinarian. He is not a punisher. He is a giver. And he has something that might help change your mind about your present condition. On the very first day of the church, God said, I want people to know I got a gift for them. Well, I, I don't want that gift because I, I still want to do what I want to do and I still want to be what I want to be. That's not how it works. See, that's how Americans have been trained to be. Let's just, let's just get what we can. Like these people that are looting stores. There's people like that in, in churches that are just, they just want to take whatever they want and just go back to being whatever they want. That's not how God plays. When, when you get a divine touch, when you become the recipient of the divine, you don't want to go back to cigarettes and, 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 and stains on the couch. You want to say, I, I'm going to give my highest. I'm going to give my utmost. I'm going to live higher. I'm going to... Spiritual looters. I like that. Where's the police to arrest those guys? That is a nation that has become lawless, that is reprobate, that is saying people can steal. If you and I were to do it, we'd be, we'd be in the slammer. 
If you and I were to do that, our names would be broadcast all over the local newspapers or Internet, whatever it is. But people can loot and steal because there's no more law. But God's a giver. And God, God, God intends to give here today. See, what's, one of the challenges of ministry in the 21st century is that as culture continues to become degenerative in their thinking and their, and their expectations of the divine, it becomes more of a challenge of the ministry to, to bridge the realities and principles of that timeless book and to bring them into the world of the 21st century where people can maybe, 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 they can just reach up with one hand and say, I'm going to trust this today. I'm going to try. That's why Cornerstone, when people come into this church, we don't have time to play patty cake. We don't have time for politics. We don't have time for denominationalism. It's time to have a power and the demonstration of an almighty God. As it gets darker in this world, we need to have our lamps trimmed. We need to have oil in our lamp. Oh, somebody clap your hand. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody give him the praise. That is, that is no small thing to bridge the gap with an impatient, immature, locked in adolescence culture with a God that has the truths of eternity. And asking people to be patient enough to wait on God. Patient enough so that God can move your mountain. Patient enough so you can possess your soul. Patient enough until he speaks in a still, small voice. God is a giver. On the birthday of the church in Acts chapter number 2, God wanted the world to know that I'm a giver. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, famous passage of Scripture. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the You have to have that to be saved. You have to have the Holy Ghost to be saved. Because you cannot save yourself. It has to be the Holy Ghost working in you, giving you what you need. See, God gives you the Holy Ghost and then allows us to get it all in alignment and get it all adjusted. And then as we start walking, he'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. He'll give you righteousness. He'll give you temperance. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 39. For the promise what is this promise of a gift? The promise is that God has a gift for you. And to your children. And to all that are afar off. 
as many as the Lord our God shall call. God is a giver. Well, you know, Pastor, I tried to get the Holy Ghost once and it didn't happen. Let's talk about that. For the promise. Let God be true and every man a liar. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Well, I don't believe in all that stuff. What stuff? What stuff? Well, you know, I don't believe in all that. <laughs> Honey, when you get the real thing, you're going to do. <laughs> you ain't going to be afraid to do it in public. <laughs> you don't care what they think. You don't care what they think. You care what he thinks. <laughs> now it's me and the giver doing it. Now it's me and it's not about him. It's about him and I. I don't care what my family thinks. I don't care what my neighbors think. I don't care what my siblings think. I don't care what anybody thinks. I've got the gift. Somebody shout. Somebody stand to your feet. Somebody give him praise. Come on. God's got a gift for you today. Pastor, I tried to get the Holy Ghost once, and it didn't, it didn't happen. You know, it took me a while to get the Holy Ghost. You want to know why? Because I had been so, so calcified by living in the world that it took me going to church for several weeks and allowing the presence of God to chip away at the hardness of my heart. But I refused to give up because it's in the Bible. I refuse to give up because it's in that book. I refuse to give up because I can see people that have got it. I refuse to give up because I'm, I'm feeling and sensing that it's true. So God has a gift for everybody here today. He has a gift for all those people that you work with in the emergency room. Behind that mask. This gift is for everybody. Regardless of your background, we have a world that's become fragmented by race. Well, I'm going to tell you about a God that doesn't care what your color is. He doesn't care what the content of your character is. He doesn't care what side of town you're from. He doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care who your mom and dad are. He doesn't care what planet you're from. He doesn't care what country you're from. He doesn't care about any of that. He's got a gift for you. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. There are some people here today that want this gift, and it's a promise. So I want us all across this auditorium here today, I want us to lift our hands, and I want us to give God the praise. And church, I want you to pray. I want you to pray that somebody becomes a receiver of the gift. I want us to pray. Come on, let's really pray. If, you, if, you, if you're interested in receiving this gift, I want you to come on down. You don't have to be a member of this church. In fact, it's, it's probably better if you're just, you just came in and you heard this. Come on. I, I want you to come. Maybe, maybe you're somebody that was brought by somebody else. In fact, let's just make our way to this altar here right now. From this section and this section and this section and this section. 
God is a giver. God is a lover. God has a gift for you. Come on. Come on. Church, continue to pray right now by the authority of the name of Jesus. tighter over here, guys. Let's make room in here for everybody. I know that Jesus died for my sins, but it doesn't stop there, friend. He's got another gift for you. He's got a spirit that wants to move on the inside of your life. Why don't we just lift our hands all over this altar here today? And let's begin to pray together. God is a giver. He's not an Indian giver. He'll give it to you. And he'll keep giving it back to you. Renewing you with it. Adding to it. Come on, somebody, let's pray. Somebody help us pray. Thank you. 